All I have is Christ. Jesus is my life. You could sing that and be struck to the heart about what God has done and worked in you. His life laying out on a cross so that you might be ransomed and made totally new. It's a song that it crushes you in a good way and then reminds you of what God has done to make you a totally new person. And I love it. And I could sing it a thousand times. And I hope we, we just glory in it in the years and months to come as we kind of make it a part of our worship uh, repertoire or something like that. Let's, let's pray together for the word. Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. You are so good to us. You are so gracious and you're so faithful. And you would send your son to die on a cross so that we could have life. That we were in darkness and you breathed life into the world. He's the light of the world and he lights up the darkness. He's the one who paid the price on the cross and by his blood we were ransomed. And if we've tasted that, what a glorious treasure it is. And it doesn't just come in a moment and then gone in a flash. It is forever. It is eternal life. And we thank you, Lord God, that all we have is Christ. And Jesus is our life. That's the song of a Christian's heart. That's a song of a blood-bought sinner who's been brought out of the darkness, brought out of the sway of the evil one into the kingdom of your beloved Son. And I just pray, Father, that you would bring a word to us from Philippians chapter 3, that you would bring a word in power, that your Spirit would come upon us all. Lord, open our hearts. Open our hearts to receive a word today. Wherever we're at, Lord, may our hearts be open and receptive. May our ears hear. May the Holy Spirit blow upon this word and may the life-giving words that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write change us and encourage us and strengthen us and build us up, Lord. We can do nothing on our own, but in Christ we have everything we need. You shall supply all our need in Christ Jesus. And so we can sing a song like that and rejoice. And I pray, God, that, that you would help me to get out of the way today and that your spirit would anoint this moment and that you would speak to us and that we would have ears to hear what the spirit says to the church at Smithfield. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're at uh, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to talk today about a race. I was watching uh, Chariots of Fire last night. I love that movie. It's a great movie. If you've not seen Chariots of Fire, it's about two men who were Olympic runners. Um, one man's name was Harold Abrams, and he was Jewish. And he was racing for his own pride, his own glory. He wanted to be the best in the world. And he had so much to prove. He felt like he was kind of like coming up as a Jew, kind of being slighted by society, and he had to make a name for himself. So you had Harold 
Harold Abrams on the one hand, and then Eric Little, a son of a missionary to China who was just humble. He raced not because he wanted to be the best, but because he wanted to bring glory to God. Not because he wanted to make much of himself, but because he wanted to make much of Christ. And so there's two, there's these two approaches to racing that are laid out for you in the movie and in real life, because this is a story that happened in real life in the 1920s, in the 1923 Olympics. And so Eric Little would run for the glory of Jesus and Harold Abrams would be running for himself. And how different both visions of life really are. And so I got to think about racing, and, and, and Paul's going to talk about racing in our passage, because in a race, you know, you've got all the runners lining up, you've got the starter gun ready to go, you've got people lined up at the blocks, and they're waiting to hear, and then that shot gets fired, and they run down. And they're focused on what? They're focused on getting to the goal. They're focused on getting to the end of the race. And you can't be like looking at the guy next to you when you're racing. You can't be looking behind you to see what's going on behind you. Because if you look to the side or you look behind, you're headed for a fall. And Paul is going to get at the race of the Christian life. And so many of us can identify with the struggles of the running of the race. Maybe you're in here today and you're really stuck looking behind. You're stuck looking in the past. You're stuck somewhere back there wanting to fix something. Wanting to make something different. And so you're struggling to run the race. Or maybe you've just kind of like failed to get out of the starting block. You're like in the starting block. You don't really know what to do. The shot's been fired and it's like you're discouraged and you're apathetic in the race. And then maybe others are just kind of like looking to the sides like, I wonder what she's doing or I wonder what he's doing. And you're stuck looking horizontally. You're looking at everybody else. And you cannot run the race. You can't see the prize. You're not looking at the goal. And then maybe perhaps others in here are feeling like the goal is so far away. The finish line is just so far out there I'm never going to get there, so I'm just going to give up. Or I've been running so long and I'm out of gas. Brother Peter, I'm out of gas. And I just want you to know that the, the, the Scriptures have a word for you today, no matter what category. You think about where you're at. And God has a word for, me, for you from Philippians chapter 3. God has a word about how to run this race. And He's got motivation to give you. He's got these motivations to lay out to you so that you can run well. Because Christianity is a race. And you're an athlete in the kingdom of God. And your vision of life is going to make all the difference about how you run. And if you remember the last time we were in Philippians 3, we had read, if you want to look real quick, to verse 10 of chapter 3, 
we had read that the Apostle Paul was just fired up about you coming to know Christ and about his coming to know Christ. He says that I may know him. I give up all the past. I give up all of the stuff that I did in Judaism for the sake of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ. I want to know him. Verse 10. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to share in his sufferings. And I want to become like him in his death. And I want to, by any means possible, attain the resurrection from the dead. That's Paul's heart. He's got a vision of, of life. And then he lays out this race to us in verse 12. And I want you to look at, at, at this and just see three things, three motivations. Number one, he's going to say, I've not arrived. And then he's going to tell us, you got to forget the past and look forward. And then he's going to conclude by saying, keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on the prize. Look to the finish line. Know what's coming at the finish line. So let's see if we could see those in verses 12 to 16. The Apostle Paul, breathing out the word of God through the Holy Spirit, says this to us. Not that I have already obtained this. Or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own brothers. So he's addressing the church. I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, classic Apostle Paul, one thing I do, and I'm going to give you a couple of things, <laughs> forgetting what lies behind and straying forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, any of, if in anything you think otherwise, God's going to reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. So you saw it right there. He's like, I haven't arrived. And guess what? Forget what's behind. Look forward and strain forward like an Olympic athlete and run the race. Keeping your eye on the prize. Keeping your eye on the goal. Pressing on. That's Paul's heart for us today. So motivation number one. Motivation number one is Paul knew that he had not arrived. He hadn't arrived. He didn't think he was sinless. Paul didn't be like, hey, I'm already there. I'm already glorified. I've already been perfected. I've got no room to grow. And some of us are struggling with perfectionism on the one side. We just we want to be perfect. We, we're struggling with this desire to just be like a hundred steps down the road. And others of us may be like feeling like, well, I am kind of doing all right here, you know? And, and so we're on the other side of the pendulum thinking like, hey, I'm good. Not, and, and notice what he says in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. No sinless perfectionism, no resurrection yet. That's in the future for him. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And one of the things I was thinking about is in seminary, I wrote a paper on sinless perfectionism 
And on the face of it, it's like, who would believe that, right? But down through the ages, it's been taught. And some of my favorite Bible preachers have been infected with this doctrine, thinking that it's possible for a Christian to be totally perfect, to be without sin. John Wesley, a great preacher of the Gospel, a horseback circuit rider who preached the Gospel, started Methodism and the Wesleyan movement, taught that you could be totally sanctified, that you could be perfect in this life. Now, he didn't think he had arrived, but he laid that out for others and said it's a possibility. And I just was thinking to myself, like, you know, if, if that's in our heart anywhere, it's one of those things where you kind of nudge, like, ask my wife how I'm doing with that one, right? Ask my kids how I'm doing with sinless perfectionism. We know, like, in real life reality, nobody has arrived. We've all struggled with sin. There's not one person here who does not struggle every single day with indwelling sin, with sinful thoughts, sinful desires, sinful habit patterns, things that you haven't cut loose. And we've seen, like, there's something going on here that Paul wants to liberate you from. He wants to liberate you from this kind of perfectionistic, living for yourself, living sort of thinking that, hey, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have any room to grow. And he wants to remind us with a good dose of reality that you are living in a fallen world and you still have a heart that is affected by sin. And even though you've been redeemed, Paul said, I have not arrived yet. Yeah, I got knocked off my horse. Yes, I got a, a vision of Jesus and I'm going to press on. I'm going to aim for it. I'm going to try to grow. But you know what? Paul never forgot who he was and what he had been delivered from. I have desired to follow Jesus. We sung that. I have desired to follow Jesus. No turning back. But Paul knew what was behind him that he had been delivered from. And notice in, in, in verse 12, he says, I press on to make it my own. I want to grow. I want to get there. I want to I get glorified one day because underneath all my growth in godliness, underneath my pursuing Jesus, underneath my desire to be holy, it's all because Christ Jesus has made me His own. It's like Jesus just grabbed a hold of Him and made Him His own. That's what happened at Damascus. And that's what happened to every one of you. If you are a Christian, if you've trusted Jesus, Jesus made you His own. He snatched you. You were living your own way. You were under the, the, the spell of the evil one, living in the course of this world, dead in your sins and trespasses, and Jesus made you alive. And Jesus went to a cross to deliver you from your sin. And Jesus sent His Spirit into your heart to begin to make you new and to grow you in Christ. So you have Jesus laying hold of you so that when you begin to live for God, you know it's not you who's doing it, but Christ in you. 
And so Paul knew, I've not arrived, I'm not sinless, but I'm pressing forward. I'm looking to the goal. I'm running the race. I'm like an athlete that's got a single-minded heart for Jesus because I've been laid hold of by Jesus. Have you been laid hold of by Christ? Has He gripped your heart? Has He gripped your soul? Do you feel like you're stuck somewhere? Because you have not been gripped by Christ. You have not been gripped by the Gospel. Paul knew we were going to be dealing with sin. And the whole New Testament bears witness to the fight against sin. The Christian life is a fight. It's a battle. It's a, it's a vigorous race that you're using all your muscles and all your energy and God is working through you in that race and fight against sin. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 just bears witness to this. The Apostle John knew it. He said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not with us. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And maybe... Nobody in here is struggling with thinking they're sinless. I think probably that's the case. Not everybody in here is thinking that. But maybe there's some functional sinless perfection going on in the fact that you never acknowledge your sin before God. You never confess it before others. You never confess your sin. You are always right. You're always the one who wins the argument. You're, you're looking at like, well, she was like, you know, 60% wrong. So she needs to repent. Right? Or he was like 75% wrong. So why doesn't he lead? And, and ultimately, we can begin to kind of like deny sin by our lack of confession of sin. So are you functionally, you know, on paper, the theology might be good, but functionally, are you confessing sin regularly? Because Paul knew, he's like, I haven't attained, I'm growing, I'm pressing on. I want to live growing in my fight against sin and growing towards Christ. Always going deeper with the Lord. We've got to beware of that kind of functional perfectionism at the kitchen, you know, in the kitchen when things begin to go wrong and your plans aren't working out when guests are supposed to come over or when there's stuff going on in the farm and things aren't working the way that you want, right? It's like, Lord Jesus, please help me because I'm struggling with this one. God wants to help us in the midst of the race to fight the good fight of faith. And he wants us to just be real about our sin, come to him so we can grow. And Paul would have you press on in that. Verse 12, but I press on to make it my own. It's okay to aim at the goal of growing in Christ, of getting to know Jesus better and laying aside all the sin and stuff that entangles us. 
but always remembering you're going to fight this battle this side of glory. You are always going to fight sin. You are always going to grow. You are always going to pursue either Christ or you're going to begin to slip and backslide and be further from Christ. Those are the options. And Paul would have you have a heart like, I'm going to press into it. I'm going to be like an athlete that's just ready to break that tape. You know, like all his energy, he's running the race and he wants to break the tape on the finish line and get there as quick as possible. That's the kind of energy and pressing on that we see in focus. But maybe you're thinking, you know, I get that I'm not perfect. And I realize I've got to exercise exertion in this Christian life. And I know Jesus has laid hold of me. But I'll tell you what, I am stuck in the past. Well, motivation number two is for you. Motivation number two comes right out of verse 13. Look at it. Brothers, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I've made it my own. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, here's the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul's like, forget the past. Now, I want to be careful here. Paul does not want you to forget just how much you've been delivered from. He talks like that all the time in Scripture. Like, know the sins you've been delivered from. Know the great salvation you have in Christ Jesus. Know the power of God that set you free. Don't, don't forget who you once were. But what he wants you to forget is trying to relive your past and trying to sort of like get stuck in the past, hoping that you can get back to the glory days you once had. We, uh, the other day we watched a, a movie called Napoleon Dynamite and the movie is, is silly. It's pretty ridiculous, but there's a character in that movie. His name's uncle Rico and he's just totally stuck in the past. He's stuck trying to live that high school moment. He's the quarterback and he wants the coach to put him in and he wants to just get a do over on life. So every scene you see him in, he's taking photos of himself, like throwing a football. He's trying to like do reps out in the backyard and he's just stuck there and he wants to do over and it's consuming him. And how many of us can be like that, right? How many of us just want a do-over on the past, just want to kind of like relive that moment, get it right so that it's like better and I can get on. And you need to know, and I hope the Spirit just bears witness that you cannot get unstuck from your past by trying to go back and fix it and relive it mentally again and again, or by trying to do stuff to kind of like solve that on your own. Paul let go of his former life in Judaism. He let go of the things that he was holding on to so dear and clutching, like his zeal as a, as a keeper of the law or his, his heritage or his circumcision. He just said, like, I'm done with all of that. I'm not going to try to redo on that. I've got Christ. You got the prize in front of you. You got Jesus. Don't live in the past if you've got Christ. Look to Him. The answer is not back there. It's looking forward to Jesus. And some of you got to let that go and look to Him and ask Him to heal you. If there's something that needs to be healed, ask for the healing. 
Ask for the grace to grow and look forward and keep running the race. And get yourself unstuck by asking Christ to do a work in your soul. And listen, this isn't just for folks who are like older. This is for everybody. Kids, this is for you. This is the Lord speaking to you, letting you know like, hey, you can get unstuck. Maybe something went down in school. Maybe you're feeling like terrible about yourself and you want to get liberated from something that went on. Ask Jesus to come in and do a work. And He will. Trust Him. The Lord is good and powerful and He wants to get us unstuck if we're looking back. If we're that runner who's looking back, what happens if you keep looking back when you're running? It's ugly. I've seen that happen to my kids a few times and it's, it's not pleasant, right? <laughs> it's all of a sudden, boom, bloody lip, banged up, bruised up. The backwards lip or the backwards look will never change you unless you're looking to Christ, unless you're looking back at the cross, unless you're looking at what Jesus did for you, unless you're looking at the great salvation he's provided. And that's what we do when we take communion. That's what we do when we remember the gospel. We look back to him. So if you're going to go back there, go to the cross. Brothers, I consider that I have made it my own, or I do not consider I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies in the past and straining forward, straining forward. Why is that one thing? So I was thinking about that. It's not looking back, but looking forward and straining. So Paul's like, you've got to focus your energy on running forward in Christ. That means you're pursuing spiritual growth. How many of us think daily about growing as a Christian? How many of us pray about it? How many of us think through like, hey, the Christian life is about growth. And none of us want to be in diapers all day long, right? None of us want to stay in diapers. It would be pretty awful to have, you know, somebody 30 years old running around with diapers. That would tell you something was a little off. So Paul's like, strain forward. Live for Jesus full tilt. And watch what he does in your soul. Watch what he does in your heart. Grow up in the faith. And he's got motivation for you. He's got grace. And he wants to remind you, hey, verse 12 says, Jesus laid hold of you. So don't think, oh, Peter's saying, you got to do it all on your own. No, Jesus laid hold of you. That's the motivation for doing it. Jesus laid a hold of your life. And if you're trying to make spiritual progress without that happening first, there is no straining forward and you probably are stuck in the past and unable to get out. Because the guilt is on you. The fact that you're an enemy of God. The fact that you're still in your sins and without hope in this world. But Jesus came into it to redeem you. So if we're going to make any spiritual progress, we got to start by getting Jesus. And by having Him lay hold of us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not our own doing. It's a gift from God. Have you experienced the gift? Not of works, lest we boast. So we've got to get unstuck from the past 
and strained forward in the Christian life. I just want to say a personal word. So I, I'm not up here preaching and, and like, like, yeah, Peter's got this all worked out. He's never struggled with that. He's never been stuck in the past. He's never had problems with this. I have had seasons where I felt so stuck and so discouraged and so debilitated and I had failed so greatly and I was just looking back at it, looking back at it, trying to make it different, trying to replay the tape, wanting to be set free. And I was like, it's not happening. And then somebody told me, well, you're looking back and you got to look to him. And it all kind of clicked. I need to look to Christ. So maybe you don't like where you're at. Stop looking back and look to him and watch him change your heart and make you a new person. The last thing we do, the last motivation you have in this text to run the race is to keep your eye fixed on the goal. Go for the goal. Look to the prize. If you're running in a race, right, like you're not going to get very far if you're looking everywhere but the finish line. The racers are just steady the course. They're running for a target. And if you've got no target and you're just like, like going, you know, in limbo and there's nowhere, there's no direction, there's no focus, there's no laser penetrating, single-minded heart that's wanting to just direct towards something. Jesus wants your whole heart. He doesn't want you looking away from him. He doesn't want you looking back. No one puts the hand to the plow and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. Lot's wife was looking the wrong direction. She looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. You've got to look to the king. And so that's what we see in verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is realizing he's got to look to the goal. What's the goal, though? Well, verses 10 and 11 remind us Paul had spiritual maturity that goes all the way into glory. Paul had that in mind. He was thinking of the resurrection. He was thinking of the resurrection one day when God will make everything new. One day when he'd see Christ face to face and be transformed. On that day, you're not going to be looking back. You're going to be there. You're going to be having arrived. You're going to be glorified. You're going to be made totally new. So that day is the day that you are looking for you're remember you're you're remembering glory's coming you're aiming at that day when you will be totally sanctified you will be made holy you will be without sin you will be without fear you will be without pain and suffering so paul is longing for that day he's homesick for heaven he's he's got that on his heart and his mind and verse 11 says, listen, that by any means possible, I may t attain the resurrection from the dead. But I haven't got there yet, but I'm going to press on with my eyes fixed on the prize. Do you know glory's coming? Do you know the end for the Christian? Do you know what happens when you break the tape at the finish line? Do you know the crown of glory that Jesus will put on you? 
And this isn't like strange. This is just the language of the New Testament for the Christian life. This is a language of, of running a race. Listen to the author of Hebrews talk about the way that we should run and the encouragement that we can have. He says, since we have been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those are who went to glory before us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so close, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So lay aside every weight and every hindrance that's keeping you back and run the race with endurance that is set before you. And then he says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That is powerful. Look to Jesus and cut loose of any weights and hindrances as you run this race. And how many of us feel like we're weighed down? We're hindered. There's something that I need to cut loose of. And I want you to think about that. What do I need to cut loose of that's hindering me from running the race, looking towards the prize, remembering the goal? What's going on in your soul that's hindering you from walking in a way that's running that race with your eye on the prize? Maybe it's your media habits. Maybe it's what you're putting before your eyes. Maybe it's something else got gripped your heart. You're a workaholic. All you think about is that. It's my, it's my, my job. That's my life. Maybe you're struggling with you haven't achieved your dreams. And so these dreams have kind of sidetracked you from the one thing that would sort your heart out. What weight? What hindrance? Maybe it's self-image. Maybe it's self-worth. Maybe it's wanting to be popular or recognized or have some kind of credibility before men. What is going on in your heart that would become a weight and a hindrance and would cling so close to you that it would keep you from running the race with endurance? And that, my friends, is the very thing the Lord wants to do surgery in your heart with. And when you get free of it, you begin to run. You begin to run and you begin to get that, that heart. I'm just going to live for Christ. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to answer the call. I'm going to be encouraged to do the things that I don't normally do. So Many of us are just discouraged with our Bible reading. We're discouraged with our prayer life. We're discouraged in some of the things that we know this is what Christians ought to be. And we feel so low about it. And maybe it's just as simple as, as I want to grow in prayer, so I'm going to come to a prayer meeting and learn how to pray and hear others pray. Or maybe it's just as simple as I'm going to open my Bible and read to my family. I'm not, a, I'm not a preacher. I'm not somebody who's going to be like sharing the word and thundering from the pulpit and doing all that sort of stuff. But maybe you can read the Bible. Maybe you can read it out loud. Maybe you could read a passage and then pray, a, pray, pray it over your family. Maybe there are things you're doing, but you've lost sight. And there's all these other weights that you're like, I got to cut loose. 
on some of these things so that I can run the race with my eyes fixed on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith. Listen to this language of call, this effectual, powerful, life-changing call of God that Paul has been talking about all through this passage. He's, he's saying in Philippians, right? He's saying that there's a calling on every believer's life. And he says it right there in verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we need help to unpack that from other New Testament texts. We need to see that this call is not just like, you know, something that Paul was just like, oh, I'll just throw a call in there. You know, there's an effectual, powerful call that's going to encourage you, brothers and sisters, because God's not going to leave you to yourself. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to let you just kind of simmer or stew in this area or get stuck in the past and not give you help. He's going to summon you out of that. He says it in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, the Apostle Paul says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. God calls you into His kingdom. And if you're not a part of His kingdom and you're sensing the call of God because you realize your sin and you need to turn to Him, that is a call of the Spirit on your life. We've been called into His kingdom. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, To this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been called to the glory. You've been summoned to it. It's an effective, powerful call that has your trust in the substitutionary atonement of Jesus and His blood shedding on the cross all over it. Jesus purchased on the cross redemption for His people because He wants to set you free from the things that are holding you back. He wants to set you free from the things, the weight and the sins that cling so close. The cross purchased it. And you're being called to live in it. Philippians 1.6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God began it and He's going to complete it. So be encouraged by that. But yield to the Spirit working on your heart. Yield to the Spirit. Where is the Lord dealing with you? Yield to it. Don't think you're beyond it. Don't think you're you're, you're beyond the Spirit's surgery in your soul to grow you more like Jesus. Because the goal is to know Him better and to know Him more and one day we'll know Him completely and truly and we'll be full of glory. And I remind you to work out your own salvation, Paul says in chapter 2, with fear and trembling because God is at work in you. The willing and doing of His good pleasure. 
he's at work at the level of your willing and your doing. And if you feel discouraged, know that God is going to work in you and he'll give you the will. And he'll give you the heart. And sometimes a word like this is what produces that in your soul. So we've seen that we're, we're not there yet. And we got to forget the past and look forward to what the call of God is on our life. To press on towards the goal. To finish the race. And I want to encourage you, finish the race. Keep running. Don't look to the sides of you. and oh, How's everybody else doing? Look to Christ. I remember the Apostle Peter's like, but what about John? You know, like what's going to go on with him? And, 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 and Peter, you know, classically gets rebuked by Jesus. And Jesus is like, don't worry about John. You follow me. Don't worry about everybody else. You follow Jesus. And I'm not saying don't love your brothers. I hope you get what I mean by that. Don't, don't compete and compare. Look to Jesus. He's so much better. And He's faithful and He'll transform you. And if you're stuck in the past, I've got good news for you. You can get set free. And it can happen today. Will you yield to the work of the Spirit? And will you fix your eyes on the prize of knowing Christ? And one day glory's coming. Let's pray and I want us to bow our hearts before the Lord. Father God, I, I thank You for Your faithfulness, Lord. I, I thank You, Lord, that, that You remind us that this is the mindset. This is the heart we're to have as we run the Christian life. And Lord, I know that You're doing work that I don't even see in the hearts of Your people and in my own heart. I'm being helped along. I'm being encouraged. I know what it's like to be stuck and maybe... Maybe there's some stuck in here tonight and they're stuck in the past or they're stuck just wallowing in sin and I don't think they're ever going to get out of it. And I pray they would turn to you and live. That they would turn to you and get help to be unstuck from their past. Whatever's went on, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts right now and encourage them to entrust it to you. To stop looking at it and to look to you. And I pray for fresh repentance for those who are convicted. They've got to cut loose of some stuff. They feel like uh, they, they've, they've been just tasting the, the, the pleasures of Egypt and it's just began to turn rotten in their mouths. And I pray, oh Lord, that you would set them free, that they'd be able to, to cut loose of any weight or hindrance. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in a way that would begin to encourage them to trust you. And for those of us who needed a good word to keep running the race, keep staying faithful, and keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord, that you would help us to do it for your glory and honor. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.